So my first idea uh, that I seriously entertained is that I actually thought it would be fun to instrument the sky above Geneva with a bunch of particle detector drones. Um, that was that would have been an excellent idea, except that it would also block out the sun because you'd need so many drones to achieve sensitivity. So that's an idea. Of, that, that's what happens when a theorist thinks about an experiment all by, all by himself. Yeah. Welcome back to Relatively Certain, a podcast about science straight from researchers at the University of Maryland. I'm Chris Caesar, and I'm back this week with a story that will take us to the very edge of modern physics. It's a search for hidden particles that seem to be just out of reach of the best current experiments. It won't involve drones in the sky above Geneva, but a more terrestrial concern, a big building in an empty field. Oh, the microphone's on? Go for it, yeah. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, my name's David Curtin. Uh, I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Maryland, and I work mostly with the high-energy theory group. Curtin dwells on the most basic building blocks of the universe, the tiniest particles we know about, like quarks and electrons. For decades, the rules that govern these particles have been tested to exquisite precision at huge particle smashers, like the Large Hadron Collider, or LHC, a massive underground experiment on the outskirts of Geneva. But despite their accuracy, these rules still don't explain everything. They leave some big mysteries unresolved. Mysteries that a new experiment at the LHC, proposed by Curtin and others, could help solve. It's essentially a giant barn or an aircraft hangar, the size of a farm field. We still have to talk to the farmers, but we'll figure something out. That barn, really a big empty building, hasn't been built yet. But Curtin, along with UMD physicist Raman Sundram, made the case for it in a recent piece in Physics Today. It would be outfitted on top and bottom with sensitive detectors to register the passage of tiny particles, themselves the product of other particles that have never been seen. Curtin says the barn will sit above the massive underground ring that forms the LHC, and its job will be to spot particles that escape from the violent collisions happening below. In particular, it will look for new kinds of particles created in these collisions, particles that would be nearly impossible to catch in the main experiments. It could help physicists get a clearer picture of the smallest, most basic elements of the universe. So particle theory is, in a sense, the sort of simplest system you could study. So you can probe these incredibly basic fundamental interactions at size scales that are thousands of times smaller than the size of a proton. So you're really uncovering uh, layers of reality and uh, going down to what we hope to be the very fundamental laws that ultimately make everything tick. Those fundamental laws, or at least our best current approximation of them, have a name the standard model. It's the theory that predicts how quarks bind together to form protons and neutrons, and how those protons and neutrons stick together to form nuclei, and eventually how those nuclei link up with electrons to form atoms. It also predicts what you'll find in the wreckage when you fling particles together at nearly the speed of light, like the LHC does. The standard model is the only game in town when it comes to particle physics, and it's arguably the best tested theory that humans have ever come up with. The standard model is the culmination of, I mean, I mean, you know, really the last 10,000 years of human thought when it comes to fundamental interactions, but in the more in intermediate sense, um, sort of 50 years of human thought, starting with the modern formulation of quantum mechanics and roughly being theoretically, um, you know, having reached something like the modern form in the 70s or so. But lurking at the center of this wildly successful theory are some major mysteries. For one, the standard model doesn't have anything in it that behaves like dark matter, the mysterious mass of material that stargazing astrophysicists say must be out there. 
So it shows up in the way that galaxies move and rotate. It shows up in the way that galaxies collide. Uh, it shows up in the uh, leftover microwave radiation of the Big Bang, the cosmic microwave background. It shows up in everything, and everything is consistent with sort of a particle-y type thing. In the stand-up model, there's no dark matter, um, but it totally exists, so what's going on? Another mystery has to do with matter and antimatter. For every standard model particle, there's an antiparticle. And if the two ever meet, they annihilate each other and throw off a burst of energy. But there's not much antimatter floating around, and the standard model can't say why that is. Something in the early universe was different. For every billion pieces of antimatter, there was a billion and one pieces of matter. And after they annihilate together, only the one piece of matter is left, and that's, that, that makes up everything that we are. There has to be some way in which matter and antimatter behave differently in the primordial plasma of the Big Bang. But one mystery takes the cake as the most tantalizing for theoretical physicists. And the final question is sort of theoretically one of the most clear and crisp, and it's called the hierarchy problem. And for many theorists, it's one of the sort of holy grails of why we think about new physics. The hierarchy problem stems from a very simple puzzle about our universe. Why is there anything interesting at all? Our universe has structure. It has chemistry, it has star systems, it has planets, uh, life, yeah? Uh, what it doesn't have is just a bunch of black holes flying around and nothing else. Because particles are light enough that they don't form black holes by themselves, they're free to do more interesting things like atoms and planets and suns and dogs and cats. Yeah? But that simple observation is unbelievably mysterious from the point of view of the standard model. And why are the particles in the standard model so light? This wouldn't necessarily be the case, but for a puzzling coincidence in the equations of the standard model a bunch of seemingly unrelated numbers that basically add up to zero. Somewhere in the, in the woodwork of all these, of the fundamental mathematics, you kind of have to have a bunch of unknown parameters and unrelated parameters that just cancel to 32 decimal points, which is absurd. And that's called the hierarchy problem. It's possible that undiscovered particles, with just the right characteristics, are out there balancing the books. Theorists like Zakaria Chaco at UMD and others worked out a decade ago what it would take to explain this cancellation with new particles that are basically invisible, or at least devilishly hard to detect. These undiscovered, hidden particles can't really talk much to ordinary matter. If they could, scientists would have spotted them already. These missing particles could have new kinds of charge, totally alien to something like the electric charge of ordinary matter. There could be a whole valley of sneaky particles, hiding an alternative standard model, out of reach thus far because we haven't known how to look. But Curtin's barn, away from the high-energy chaos of the main LHC experiments, might be able to detect their offspring if they're there. And that's an incredibly exciting uh, new signature of the solution to the hierarchy problem. Rather than looking for very, very high-energy radiation, you're now looking for these subtle whispers of long-lived particle decays in the detector. Searching for these invisible particles is tough in the main LHC detectors, where all kinds of high-energy shrapnel flies around. At the surface, though, things are much less noisy. Every so often, some of these particles might escape the main LHC detectors. Since they interact so weakly with ordinary matter, they could fly through metal and concrete and dirt up to the surface, only to break apart back into lower energy, ordinary matter. In the world of particle physics, making it out of the LHC and up to the surface gives them the moniker long-lived particles. And that's where Curtin's new experiment comes in. It would catch the remnants of these long-lived particles, and ordinary detectors could spot and track them, tracing their path back to where they came from. And then what you see is you see a bunch of charged particle tracks that seem to converge on this empty point in space. Yeah? 
And this, that's super unusual because it essentially has to come from the decay of something invisible. The name of Curtin's new experiment, which will try and catch long-lived particles, is Methuselah. In reference to the long-lived character from the Bible, but it's spelled incorrectly so that you can Google it unambiguously. It's spelled M-A-T-H-U-S-L-A. Standing for Massive Timing Hodoscope for Ultra-Stable Neutral Particles, and we're cheating a bit at the end. But everything that you need to know is kind of in the name. Let's just say it can detect long-lived particles. The idea grew out of a brainstorming session with two experimentalists, Henry Lubati from the University of Washington and John Paul Chu from Rutgers University. After ditching the drone idea, they came up with a fairly simple design in particle physics terms. So how do you do this? It's essentially a hollow building. It's, it's hollow, except that it has a tracking system in the roof. That tracking system is just like what the underground LHC experiments use. It basically logs the trajectory of any passing charged particles, allowing researchers to connect the dots and determine where they all came from. The long-lived particles traveling up from the main experiment would disintegrate into detectable particles. It's as if you shot a water balloon in flight. Yeah? It would just splash against the ceiling. And because this detector is on the surface, you don't have any of that horrible background that comes from the main detector, the main collision, underground. That all gets stopped in the rock. When you connect the dots, not only do you see lines that intersect at a point inside the barn, you can also trace the trajectory in time and ensure that they in fact emerged from that point at the precise same time. Which would be good evidence that they came from the decay of a long-lived particle. Curtin says that since the initial brainstorm, 80 theorists and 40 experimentalists have kept the brainstorm going, with the ultimate goal of building the experiment in the next five to 10 years, and finally exploring previously uncharted terrain where long-lived particles might lurk. And the only reason they've been neglected is partially because they're hard to look for, but now we have this new capacity. So this is very exciting, and hopefully by late this year, early next year, there will be a whole lot of uh, new published work out there that makes the, uh, the physics case for looking for this and also the official proposals to build this detector. By plumbing these unexplored valleys of potentially new physics, scientists might find just the right particle to solve the hierarchy problem. And there could be other stuff in these valleys too, including the elusive dark matter particle. Altogether, these hidden valleys could be fertile hunting grounds for all kinds of new physics. Which is freaking awesome because, you know, people, sometimes people say, oh, where's the new physics at the LHC? That's depressing. We haven't found anything. Well, we haven't looked in more than half of the possibilities. So it's a vibrant, exciting sort of lifetime frontier that is really, uh, you know, to me, that's where it's at at the LHC. Thanks this week to David Curtin, who will be moving on from the Maryland Center for Fundamental Physics and starting a faculty position at the University of Toronto in January. He says a small prototype of Methuselah should be up and running this year. For future updates, check the news section at the University of Maryland Department of Physics homepage at umdphysics.umd.edu. We'll be back in about a month with a new podcast. For Relatively Certain, I'm Chris Caesar.